So Jonathan Taylor wants a trade, Trista. He don't want to be an indie anymore. He's been very outspoken about the market for running backs, and he's got an owner in Jim Hersey that says he's well, he's never going to trade him after going out and talking about the market for running backs and not wanting to pay running backs. Then he had some weird quote about if he died tomorrow and Jonathan Taylor was out of the league, no one would miss them because it's the NFL. It is so weird right now in Indianapolis. And all I can say is this, Trista, I look at a win total of six and a half, and I see plus money at the under six and a half for the Colts. I don't know what Anthony Richardson's going to look like. I don't even think he should be starting right away. Take the under six and a half on the Colts while you can still get plus money on that. All I know is that he just, Anthony Richardson, just had surgery on his deviated septum, and he's apparently 20 pounds heavier than he was when he got drafted. But you've got drama on this team. When you now have Jim Irsay saying, oh, yeah, we're not going to actually pay Jonathan Taylor at all because he's been telling us that his back hurts, Jonathan Taylor has to take to Twitter and say, I never once told anyone (laughs) that my back was in pain. (laughs) Like, I've not hurt my back at all. Do not try to, like, avoid paying me because of some sort of non-football-related injury you're claiming I have. It's weird. The whole running back market problem controversy, whatever you want to call it, is weird. The whole thing. This year is like the tipping point. The Saquon stuff was weird. I know the deal got done, but I don't care. It got testy. The whole thing, Ashu, is testy. Uh, I mean, Jim Irsay is a loose cannon. Like, oh, it feels like every other day there's something this guy says where you just go like, are you drinking? Like, where, 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 where'd you come up with that? What is that? <laughs> but like... It doesn't make things any better when you have an owner that's also, like, really involved in the team. And I know that because we had one in Washington. Thank God he's finally gone. Where now I kind of look at Jim Irsay and go, like, is he the most volatile, worst owner in the NFL? I don't – I think he's got to be now, right? He He's not making the, the, the Colts any better with anything that he's done, that's for sure. He's certainly very out in front to a place that is very rarely seen in professional sports. And he's got Donald Sterling vibes to him a little bit where he sees these players as assets, as thoroughbreds and not humans that he pays and values. It's like, oh, well, Jonathan Taylor could just be gone tomorrow. No one would ever miss him. It's like, whoa, that was menacing. You should not say that. (laughs) If I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm like, get me out of here. Like, get me the F out of here. I just... I I don't even know, like, what to make of what this team could even look like this year, right? Like, I'm looking, a lot of Jonathan Taylor's props are off the board right now. There are some things out there at a couple of books, you know, to lead the regular season in rushing, he's plus 850, and, you know, Nick Chubb's the favorite at 5-1. to But, like, I just wouldn't, the only thing with the Colts that I would do, that I'd be comfortable with, is just taking the under on their win total. Everything else is a giant question mark. And now, like, they need, the thing is, Jonathan Taylor knows that he's got leverage because if they actually want to win football games, which I don't know if that's their goal this year or not, you need to hand the ball off to him. Two years ago, he had 1,800 yards rushing, led the NFL, was an MVP candidate late in the season, and really was their entire offense. Now you got Anthony Richardson. You just pointed out deviated septum surgery. That sounds terrible. I know people that have had it. It sounds awful. Uh, he's 20 pounds heavier. He's really raw and really struggled to actually throw touchdown passes at the beginning of the season last year at Florida. All this points to one guy being important to this team, first and foremost, and it's Jonathan Taylor. And if they're going to start playing games with him like this, this might end up being a three-win team in Indy. 
Seriously. And on top of that, you've got his backup in Zach Moss, who's coming out there in Jonathan Taylor's stead and just, I don't know, breaks his arm out six weeks. I mean, it, it's it's at the point now where this team almost just feels feels cursed. And with, with all of the all of the log jam at the top of the AFC, right? I, the, you know what? It may even, and I don't have the market in front of me. I it might be worth because I, I I there were some scenarios where I liked the Raiders for this, and now I may be leaning Colts for the worst record in the NFL. I don't know what the market is on that and where we can find that, but that may have some serious value there, where Anthony Richardson is thrown to the wolves and just. Struggles as a lot of rookie quarterbacks do. Jonathan Taylor's not there. Zach Moss is out for a good portion of the season. I mean, what are the Colts? What are they? We're looking at a win total at six and a half right now. I, there's no way I would take the over on that. And I would I would actually bet not only, I would bet them to have the worst record in the NFL right now while all this is going on. Indianapolis Colts plus 1,400 to be the worst team in the NFL. I, I actually like that bet. I think I may bet that. I think I might. Yeah, shop around. That's a good number. I like that number. 14 to 1. This Four- is a little bit old. This is a couple of couple of weeks old. But I don't think much has changed in that market. Yeah, those those markets usually don't move too much. You know, it's like the win totals we might see where they're up and down or the prices going on that. But, I mean, yeah, when you look at last, I mean, I would expect at least bare minimum, right, the Texans – Probably better than a three-win team. I think they could be at least, maybe let's say they win five games. I mean, okay. Then you had the Bears win three games last year. They'll be better. The only real threat might be the Cardinals. But let's say that Kyler Murray comes back halfway through the season. Let's just throw out week eight as, 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 you know, just a random time that he comes back. He could win them three or four games. I mean, they're not a bad team. Kyler Murray can still... Kyler Murray is still a good quarterback when he's locked in, when he's focused, like when he's having good Kyler Murray games. He's a quarterback on a team that's not going to have the worst record in the NFL. So you start going down this list of teams last year and moves that were made this offseason, and everybody's talking about the Cardinals having the worst record in the NFL. Colts won four games last year. The Broncos are going to be better. They were 5-12. and 12. I mean, the Raiders, again, if, if, if Garoppolo's not playing, then that's a different story, but he was cleared. He's healthy now, so it's fine. I think the Texans are better than a three-win team this year. 14-1 to 1 for the Colts to have the worst record in the NFL. You know what? I actually have now talked myself into that completely. I love it, and I am betting that. Yeah, especially if you look at the Cardinals and their offense and who they have. They still have guys. Listen, I know that Kyler Murray's not going to be there, but you mentioned you've got James Conner. You've got Zach Ertz, and I know he's the ghost of Zach Ertz. You've got Hollywood Brown, and you've got Rondell Moore. And, like, no, don't sleep on... I'm going to say his name and people are going to laugh. Don't sleep on Greg Dortch. He's had some moments. This is not like a good team, but this is this that is that the worst offense in the NFL? I I don't know. The defense, you still have Buda Baker. You still have man, it's a rough defense. They got It's rough though. Lot. Yeah, it's a pretty rough. The they minute you start going their, on that roster, you're like, "Oh, oh, oh defense boy." Defense is a little rough. Yeah, but but still, if you're talking about good value, fourteen to one is a good value. That team's a mess. That team's a mess. Uh, the Colts, and that may be the difference, right? Because like for me, trying to find value in teams that are plus money to make the playoffs, looking in the NFC is the smarter play because 
there's yeah. just a lot more open slots on the back end there where a team could sneak in, six or seven seed, whatever the case is. But to find a team to have the worst record in the NFL, you need to go to the other side of things, where the AFC's loaded with all these talented teams, where it may end up being you've got 12, 13 teams that win seven or eight games. Let's just say the AFC get well, where are those wins coming from? They got to beat somebody up in their conference. And again, I know it's not that simple. There's more to the scheduling than all that. But just basic big picture with that, there's going to be one or two teams that just get beat up. And that, I think that's probably going to be the Colts. Yeah, when it's all said and done, you know, and it's look, there's always surprises. This is what the NFL is. Sometimes there's just teams you look at and say, oh, they're going to be bad. And then they look about as bad as they are. Like, look, Seattle last year was expected to be. I mean, as bad as any team. Like, the way we talk about the Cardinals now, put the Colts thing aside. The way we talk about the Cardinals is how I feel like everybody was talking about, and myself included, we're talking about Seattle, right? Oh, they're going to be so bad. I mean, who's their starting quarterback going to be? Oh, no. And then they come out. Geno Smith. All right, we're making fun of Geno Smith. And then he shut everybody up, though. He did fall off towards the end of last year. Let's keep that in mind. Look, there's a lot of hype around this team, but they've got Kenneth Walker week to week at running back. Uh, Zach Charbonnet's out indefinitely, so that's their top two running backs. They've got a couple of other guys that have stepped in and now for camp. Like I, these are these are probably lesser injuries in terms of like the type of effect they can have because it's going to be just probably a few weeks for the most part, as opposed to like you know a Jalen Ramsey injury going all the way into December. But I. I could actually see Seattle being a team that does take a step back. A lot of people are high on them, but you're you're like if you don't have Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet healthy for really most of this season, you're leaning even more on Geno Smith. Now, I'm not saying that the, the Seattle is going to be like a five-win team, but I wouldn't sit here and like start jumping on them to win the division like I'm hearing some people do over San Francisco right now because uh, a lot more pressure going on Geno with a banged-up backfield this early in training camp. That can be a problem that starts to carry over early in the season. Yeah, and they won nine games last year, and their win total this year is eight and a half. So it was a storybook year for them. Mm -hmm. They fell off late, like you said. Do we want to take that number and think that they can continue with that consistency? I mean, considering that they now have two major... I don't know if the, if the Zach Charbonnet thing is very much of a, of a huge injury. Neither do I think Kenneth Walker is. I mean, it's a groin injury, and, and Pete Carroll said it's not that bad. It's not terrible. But anytime you're in camp and your first-string running back and your second-string running back aren't playing, and then another offensive lineman is out from camp uh, because of an illness. It's just not great, really. And then you've got Noah Fant there, who's also uh, had that knee injury last year. So, yeah, this is just a team that's already kind of banged up in a place against the Niners where they're coming for you, and they're one of the most physical defenses in in the league. So they're they're going to take you down. Sounds to me like you're kind of under the 8.5 there for them. I am a push. I am a, a stay away. I am a stay away. Totally it does, stay away. It does feel like that number is set really, really well, though. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, I don't know. That doesn't feel like there's much give there. Right, right. <laughs> I, I would be very shocked if the Seahawks had 11 wins. I'll just say that. Right. Wouldn't be shocked at 9, which is right there on the number, but I would be pretty shocked at 10, 11, or 12. You don't have to bet every single win total. So it's like, why put yourself through what you think no. could be a sweat just because? Unless there, unless the price was great, but let's be honest here. The over's minus 150, the under's at plus 125. So it's not like, I mean, you bet the over, okay, but there's that's, that's too much juice for something that could be right on the practically right on the dot till the very end anyway. 
There's nothing like paying minus 150, minus 165, and then just still losing the bet. Like there's just there's oh, just nothing like it. That would be <laughs> that, that would just be that's you know what really that honestly is that just becomes like beginners. You're a beginner's better if you're doing that, and you're learning the hard way, and you go, yep, never doing that again. And guess what? Everybody started off betting as a beginner at some point. So we've all had those bets where you're like, what the hell was I thinking? And you learn your lesson when it comes to that. I, I'll tell you what. Call me crazy. I think the Rams could get back in the playoffs. So, like, looking at that division, I know, I know. The only Here's the only reason I say that. And I, I get it. Like, the defense is not good, and we hope Matt Stafford is healthy. But when, when you make this prediction that they're going to go there. But the NFC is just not very good. Like, when we're sitting there, we're talking to Zach Rosenblatt before, right? And I'm like, I-, I can't think of seven teams maybe that I'm comfortable with saying are a playoff team in the NFC. I mean, maybe we're just overlooking a team like the Rams who won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Doesn't have the same roster, but in such a weak NFC, they can sneak in. And that may be one of those back-end teams that was a five-win team that shut everybody down that then gets back to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you've got Cooper Cup back. He's incredible, as we mm-hmm. know. I mean, MVP candidate. You've got Tyler Higby, who is one of my favorite tight ends in the league. Uh, you've got Cam Akers, and listen, he's an up-and-down guy, but he can still go. Van Jefferson's a good uh, wide receiver. Ben Skoranek, also pretty good. Got a little bit of a couple of rookies uh, on the line. And really, it's just all about Matt Stafford. Is Matt Stafford going to be healthy? Are they going to be able to do that? Is Cam? It's really Cam Akers and Matt Stafford for me. Cooper yeah. Cup's gonna he's a ball. That's what he does. Come right. back from injury and he's gonna like you said the defense. What what is that gonna be? There's a lot of names that not 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 a lot of household names on that defense. It's it's not necessarily as bad as the Cardinals defense when you started going down that roster and you went oh 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 no, <laughs> but it's it yeah. is it is pretty close. I, the thing though with like I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to brush off defense because that's ridiculous, and we know that you need to have defense still in the NFL. But, like, the way the NFL is, if you've got a high-powered offense and your defense is a liability at times, you still keep yourself in games. Like, I'd rather have my defense be a liability than my offense because at least I know this. We're down 15 heading into the fourth quarter. I got a team that can go out and get me a couple of touchdowns and a two-point conversion because the offense is that potent. Like, you still give yourself a chance to be in games when you've got an offense that's got somebody like Cooper Cup. Yeah, that's facts. That's absolute facts. Yeah, I mean, as long as you have Cooper Cup and you have Aaron Donald, things are pretty good for you. Things are really good. I don't know, though. Like, what's their win total now? Six six and a half. half? I was just looking at it now. Rams win total, six and a half. The over's at even money right now. Under's minus 120. I don't know, Nick. I think I think you got. You think go, that's price well too? Off on your own on that one. I think you got to go off on your own on that one. <laughs> All right, you got a free bet. You got a free bet here. All right, I'm giving you a free bet from BetMGM. You got to either bet the the Seattle win total or the Rams win total. Which one is it? Which way are you going? Rams win total okay. six and a half. Yeah, right. Rams win total probably I would do. Yeah, well I, that's even money too. Right. There's also a decent price with that, and I have more confidence in the Rams going over. Like if it was seven and a half or eight, I'd be like, no, 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 no. But like we said, I think Seattle's number is said really, really well there. I don't know if I'd say the same about the Rams. I think they can at least get themselves to seven wins. The safer play is clearly just taking the over on their win total. All right, change my mind Monday. Coming up next, it's BetMGM Tonight.